Well, hey there. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Another beautiful day here in Lafayette. Glad to be with y'all as you uh, make your afternoon drives, whether you're picking up kids, dropping them off at extracurriculars or baseball games, or just maybe taking off of work a little bit early because, hey, it's the weekend. 232-1542 if you want to call in and be part of today's conversation. The whole week has been focused on Katanji Brown-Jackson, and there are a few things left to go over as the hearings have pretty much wrapped up and you're likely going to see uh, you're likely going to see a pretty partisan split after all in terms of the vote. But I'll get to that here shortly. Let's talk about some of the issues of the week. One of the biggest biggest issues from the week is her answer to Senator Marsha Blackburn on the question of what is a woman. And Judge Katanji Brown Jackson said, I don't know, I'm not a biologist. A little bit later, she told Senator John Kennedy, uh, who asked, when does life begin? She said, I don't know. The question of what is a woman matters. It may seem like some, to, to, to people outside, it may seem to casual observers that the question itself doesn't really mean a whole lot. But it actually does. It means so much more when you put it into the context of progressive jurisprudence, the uh, judicial philosophy of the progressive movement. Are you guys aware that Florida's don't say gay bill, which actually doesn't say don't say gay anywhere in it, is supported by 52% of Democrats who plan to vote in the primaries this year? You don't see any media coverage of that outside of the right, but it's true. 52% of Democrat primary voters support Florida's Parental Rights Act. Florida Democrats have decided that that is going to be the issue they want to run on, despite the fact that a majority of their voters support the law. Judge Jackson knows what a woman is. But like Florida Democrats... If she says what a woman actually is, what makes a woman, it will infuriate the progressives in the Democratic Party. Consider how many laws across our federal code rely on the definition of a woman. Consider discrimination, Consider sexual assault and rape. Consider domestic violence. Consider all of these issues that have clear definitions of a woman and what it means pertaining to those laws. If you're a judge and you don't know how to define what a woman is, how can you rule on those issues? But it's more than that. The progressives don't want her to say it. 
And the Democrats don't want her to say it because they don't want the progressives to be upset. I told you guys from the beginning, she's being prepped. And she's not being prepped because of Republicans. She's being prepped because of Democrats and progressives and voters. She has to be appealing enough to her own side. She cannot say the full-blown progressive stuff, but she also can't say the answers that the Republicans want her to give to prove their point. Across the country, media outlets and progressives are championing the idea that boys in women's sports is totally a normal thing and that there's no biological difference whatsoever. And they condemn anyone who disagrees. Voters want to return to normalcy. They don't want to look at an NCAA swimmer competing in the women's division whose genitalia are visible through the swimsuit that he wears because he is identified as a she. They don't want fully developed boys competing in girls' sports. They don't want grown men going into girls' bathrooms. You may not like it if you're a progressive. You may not like that people, by and large, don't want that. But you have to understand that that's where we are as a country. The American people are tired of discussing these issues. They're tired of this being thrown in their face. Just as much as I said yesterday, they're tired of the 2020 talk from Donald Trump and the right. The American people, and I said this, uh, I did a radio hit on a, on, news, on a news talk station in St. Louis this morning. The American people are focused on what's right in front of them. And right now, what's right in front of them? High gas prices. Inflation. Uh, supply chain issues in the stores, which are going to get worse. We're going to talk about what Biden said later. The fact that their money isn't going as far as it used to, that it's harder to afford the things that they are normally used to affording. And all these things are getting worse. Meanwhile, the left wants to shout about how we're all intolerant. We should be letting these trans issues just happen. We should be more accepting and more open to it. And you're the, you're the bigot if you don't want to. The voters are tired of it. And they want to focus on these other issues. But the progressives in the Democratic Party have the party hostage. And so they take a judge who will be a very progressive judge, don't get me wrong, and more on that in the next segment. But this very progressive judge can't be openly progressive because the Democrats are afraid of what will happen if you don't walk a fine line between progressive and moderate. Which is why Katanji Brown Jackson's answers were so noncommittal, evasive, or outright just silent. 232-1542. We're going to go ahead and take a break, as Rush would say, for an obscene profit timeout. When we come back, more on Judge Jackson and everything else going on in the country right here on the Joe Cunningham Show on News Talk 96.5 KPL. 
Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to call in. And we do have a caller on the line. Renee joins us. Renee, how are you today? Yeah, uh, I want to say that uh, there's different factors why the LGBT genie is so much out of the bottle and can't be put in. One is uh, um, Western culture. We uh, we happen to make notoriety out of them. You know, they some of them rich, some of them are entertainment. We like them. The, the next one is radical toxic feminism or stupid feminism. There's always that mom that can't brag enough about her gay son that's like the greatest daughter ever to go shopping with her. And the third is it might be a it might be like the left is a real cruel political animal. It's like a it doesn't have the Frenchman half and half, I'll give you half, you give me half politics. It has the S and M I take all, you take nothing, be on all fours eating slop out of a bowl with a collar and I have a leash to you politics. And it's also a smokescreen for the gas prices, the terror of communist uprising, and nuclear possible nuclear war. It's a smokescreen smoke screen item also. My four factors. There might be more. All right, Renee, thank you very much for the call. Uh, 232-1542 if you want to call. And, you know, there's, there's a point in there. The left... The progressive left is so very toxic, not just toward the right, but toward itself. You have right now, like I was saying in the last segment, you have a radical left that isn't just attacking Republicans, but anything that they don't see as sufficiently progressive. The Kirsten Cinemas, the Joe Manchins, Democrats who aren't 100% along the party line, not even party, the progressive line. They've been attacking the Democratic uh, leadership for years. And yes, Republicans did that with the whole Tea Party movement and everything, but it was always, it was always very much attacking, but then working with. Mike Lee was one of those Tea Party Republicans who got in there and actually worked with Mitch McConnell and has done a lot of good work in the Senate because of it. There are others who were like that. They got in and they wanted to work with Republican leadership to help pull them back to the right. And in many ways, they did. But now you have the extreme progressive left who is going in there and actively looking to primary existing members of the Democratic caucus who are not sufficiently progressive. And ultra progressive groups are sometimes going harder after a little more to the center Democrats than they are the Republicans. But here's the thing. All of this is actually a smokescreen. Renee is right on that. This is a smokescreen, but it's not just for these issues going on in the world around us. Everybody right now is focused on the I'm not a biologist, what is a woman question. They are focused on the question from Kennedy about when does life begin? Do you know what they're not talking about? They're they're specifically not talking about it. The media is not picking up on it at all. But Republicans seem to be overlooked or conservatives and commentators are looking over one of the most important series of exchanges 
throughout the hearings, particularly on Tuesday and Wednesday. If you were to look at a transcript from Tuesday, 36 to 38 times, you'll find the word unenumerated. What does that mean? Unenumerated rights are rights that exist that are, that are implied from the Constitution. They are not directly granted by the Bill of Rights. They are implied rights. They are not specifically stated in the Constitution. Think Roe versus Wade. A right to abortion that exists because of some loophole they found in an, a previous unenumerated right to privacy. And so they do a bunch of different legalistic loops to make Roe versus Wade happen. Buried underneath all the talk about child pornography sentencing and what a woman is and when life begins, there is a line of questioning from virtually every Republican senator about unenumerated rights. And there's a reason for that. Joe Biden when he first announced that he would be looking for a replacement for Justice Breyer, said that he wanted that he refu- that he views the Constitution as an always evolving slightly in terms of additional rights or curtailing rights. And he was looking for a nominee with character who has a judicial philosophy that reflects that there are suggests that there are unenumerated rights in the Constitution. He's looking for a judge. Who will invent progressive rights in the Constitution? For example, the right of a biological male to compete in women's sports. Senator Cornyn, do you share my concern that when the court takes us on the role of identifying an unenumerated right, in other words, is not mentioned in the Constitution and creates a new right declaring that anything other, anything conflicting with that is unconstitutional, that it creates a circumstance for those who may hold traditional beliefs like something as important as marriage, that they will be vilified as unwilling to assent to this new orthodoxy. Judge Jackson's response. So, Senator, I understand that concern, and because there are classes that are addressing these sort of issues, I'm not in a position to comment about either my personal views or whether or not, et cetera, et cetera. She's avoiding that question. Kennedy. When you talk about judicial restraint, where does that restraint start with the fundamental right? Let's take the Ninth Amendment. Uh, it, the Ninth Amendment indicates that there are rights that are some enumerated and some that there aren't enumerated. How are we supposed to determine what the others are? Kennedy asked. Jackson, I think the Supreme Court has not found any others coming from that particular constitutional provision. Could they? Kennedy asked. Jackson, I can't speak to that, Senator. Kennedy, I mean, it's possible if they get five votes, Jackson, well, anytime the Supreme Court has five votes, then they have a majority for whatever opinion they determine. She is saying without saying yes. If there are five of us, we can create an unenumerated right. That's what she's saying. Early in their discussion, Senator Kennedy asks if she would be okay being one of 28 justices as opposed to one of nine. And she said, I would be happy to be one of 28. She's okay if they expand the Supreme Court. Nobody's talking about that. The, Washington, uh, the, the Wall Street Journal mentions it in one of their stories of coverage, but that's about it. 
Nobody else is really talking about that. Kennedy actually did a really good job on a lot of these issues. But these unenumerated rights that the left wants to create in their progressive ideology, those rights, they want to invent whole cloth. And they want to use the courts to do it. So while Judge Jackson does talk a good game with regard to judicial restraint, she's not exactly somebody who is really good at hiding that she wants to do it. That's a problem. There are Republican groups. The, uh, the uh, National Review released an editorial saying Republicans need to oppose it. Mitch McConnell has now said that he is going to oppose her nomination. You will see more Republicans come out and do the same. Republicans are now very, it's not just a, well, they're going to get it anyway. Let's just let it happen. Now there's an active fight. And it's not because of the woman or the when life begins or anything like that. It is because of these issues, these constitutional issues. But the media and the Democrats don't want you to focus on that. They want you to believe that opposing her is racist and sexist. And it's all about her. Uh, it's all about the fact that she shows too much empathy toward child pornographers. It's going to be dangerous if more Jacksons get on the court. 232-1542, if you want to join in, we're going to go ahead and take a bottom of the hour news break. When we come back, we'll have that and some more. What's this about a food shortage? We'll have that coming up here as well, here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPEL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPEL. Hey, did all of you practicing Catholics know that today is a solemnity? I just found this out early. I did not know this because I'm, um, I'm, I'm not that good of a Catholic. Um, I'm sorry. But today is uh, the Solemnity of the Annunciation. And a solemnity is basically the highest of church celebrations. Um, you would treat it as a day when you celebrate, uh, and uh, any type of fasting or abstinence from meat is temporarily lifted on that day. According to the Code of Canon Law, abstinence from meat or from other food is determined by the Episcopal Conference is to be observed on all Fridays unless a solemnity should fall on a Friday. So, you can eat meat today, but do not let that stop you from going out and enjoying crawfish, seafood, whatever it is you normally do on a day like today, this wonderful Friday in Lent. 232-1542, if you want to join in. We are looking, not necessarily here, but across the world at a potential food shortage. So this war between Russia and Ukraine, well, I say war, it's an invasion. This invasion of Ukraine by the Russians will have a major impact on global food supply. Russia and Ukraine grow a lot of wheat. And right now is the middle of the planting season in Ukraine. And because of that, because of that, this war has put a stop to the planting. I, th I want to say that 
Euro, uh, that Russia and Ukraine are the uh, biggest exporters of wheat and bread to the rest of Europe. I think that's right. They export their wheat to Europe, Africa, the Middle East, even parts of Asia. With this war halting their growing and their distribution and the war just having a major economic impact, you could see a shortage across the world. Joe Biden was warning us of that yesterday. And earlier this week, Jen Psaki said, we're not expecting a food shortage here at home. We do anticipate that higher energy, fertilizer, wheat, and corn prices could impact the price of growing and purchasing critical fuel supply, food supplies for countries around the world, and early estimates from the World Bank suggest disproportionate impacts on low- and middle-income countries, including in Africa, Middle East, and Southeast Asia. This is one of the things that the G7 had to meet about. That's why Joe Biden was overseas um, yesterday and today going to Poland. This is, and one of the things that I have started to, to see is this is going to be one of those things where it's another, um, it's another price hike in some areas that people are going to want to blame on Joe Biden. And in Biden's defense, he's not totally to blame in this particular case. This one is largely on Russia. Although you can probably make the argument that if Biden had been tougher on issues, including the war in Afghanistan, the withdrawal of troops from there, we wouldn't be seeing this. But there are tons of economic effects that can stem from this. Americans are feeling a little bit of a price hike on food prices from, you know, food from half the world away. There are some price hikes that we've already noticed, and we will notice a lot more. There's a rapid rise in gas prices. There's a rapid uh, decrease of supply in our grocery stores. And inflation is also taking its toll. This will just be another issue. And yes, while I think Biden doesn't deserve all of the blame he'll get for this, he certainly hasn't helped it. And it's going to be one more thing that ultimately ends up with the Democrats taking a beating in November. Because you have to remember, this doesn't happen one day and disappear the next. These are things that build up over long periods of time, and they take a long period of time to go away. What's more, speaking of price hikes, there's legislation in front of Congress right now to give Americans a tax break, give them another check to help with gas prices. I think I mentioned last week California was considering this. Now lawmakers are introducing it in Congress. So with all of the price hikes and everything else and how bad inflation is, there are Congress people out there who say, you know what we need? Let's hand out more money. Let's put more support. Let's put more money into the economy because that will surely help fix things, right? We are governed 
by people who would fail basic free economics in school today. 232-1542 if you want to join in. All of this, all of this leads to the American public's view of the Biden administration. We have yet another poll out. Um, The AP's latest poll shows that 56% of Americans disapprove of Biden's handling of Russia. Only 26% of Americans have a great deal of confidence in Biden to manage the military. Only 13% of independents have a great deal of confidence in Biden to handle a crisis. And only 13% of independents have a great deal of confidence in Biden to promote the U.S. standing in the world. So again, everything going to hell in a handbasket and everybody who's being polled seems to have some sort of unfavorable view of the Biden administration. Even Democratic numbers aren't very high on this. This is a continuing downward spiral. And it's why Katanji Brown-Jackson cannot be as openly progressive in these hearings as she wants to be. Because despite the fact that she gets into the Supreme Court with 50 votes and a tiebreaker from Kamala Harris at the absolute worst right now, if she goes full progressive, she will have some Democrats worried. And Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema understand that that full that full blown progressivism if she if Jackson is just throwing it all out there will come back to hurt them both of them are progressives don't get me wrong i'm not defending them as some sort of moderate or conservative leaning senator they are full blown progressive democrats but Kirsten Cinema has been adamant about expanding the court And Jackson, the closest she came and said, you know what, if it was 28 people on the court, I'd be honored to serve among those 28. Manchin has been full-blown against the far-left progressive pushes. Had Jackson come out in super far-left progressive form, one or both of those two would hesitate. Now, the lay of the land right now is this. If McConnell is signaling that he's not going to support her, what he's saying is, you know what? We can fight this. We're not going to win, but I'm going to let you fight it. Because McConnell has a very tight grip over his caucus. What does the rest of the party look like in the Senate? 232-1542, you can call in after the break. But let's talk about some of these other senators in the Senate and other issues here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Guys, it's a beautiful day. Guys and girls, sorry, not very woke. Y'all, it is a very beautiful day, 75 degrees uh, or so right now. It's going to hover around there. This weekend is going to be gorgeous. Get out and enjoy that weekend. And we're not looking at any bad weather. Some clouds start trickling in on Tuesday. But I think we're going to get some rain on Wednesday, but that's about it. So enjoy 
the weekend and the beginning of the week. 232-1542 if you'd like to call in. And we've got Bruce on the line. Bruce, how are you today? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm making it. All right. I have some worries and concerns regarding the uh, Jackson Brown Supreme Court nomination. Uh-huh. In, in that, I think that Biden nominated her knowing she was going to be probably a loser mm-hmm. and gives him an excuse to, if she's not confirmed, then he can appoint Kamala Harris to the Supreme Court, thus fulfilling his political promise to put a black female, although she's really not black, but putting a black female in the Supreme Court. Then he doesn't have a vice president, so he's allowed at that point to appoint his own vice president, which would probably be Hillary, and she'd be a heartbeat away. So there's a reason why that will not happen. If he puts up Kamala Harris as a nominee for the Supreme Court, it's a 50-50 tie in the Senate with no tiebreaker. She can't vote herself onto the Supreme Court. So it can't happen. Um, you, you would be hard-pressed to find a Republican, even the more liberal ones like Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski or Mitt Romney. Uh, you he, never know about those two. <laughs> uh, there's, there's one thing that I can confidently say, and that's if Mitch McConnell pulls them into his office, they're going to vote how Mitch says, and Mitch would see a perfect opportunity right there. And that is also not a fight the Democrats want. Consider Kamala Harris's uh, her public appearances, her media stops, these these events, the 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 gibberish she spoke in Sunset the other day, a week ago, uh, when she said the phrase "passage of times," "passage of time" eight times in like five seconds. It was just, oh yeah, it, it was awful. They do not well, want to put her in front of the Senate. She said that between giggles. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing okay. is, the other thing is, the Senate also has to approve a replacement vice president. Uh, are you sure about that? Yeah. Okay, I thought that he could appoint, and it, they don't have to advise and consent on an appointment to vice president. They don't. President. They don't have to because of the election. But in the event, uh, I, I may be wrong on that, but I was I was talking with some lawyer friends trying to get to the bottom of that. And I think the consensus we came to is that because it's an appointment to the position, the Senate does advise and consent in that case. Well, that uh, that that makes the rest easier, I suppose. But oh, it's it's still it, it's still something crazy enough for this administration to try. But I think there's enough people who noticed these couple things. One that she can't vote to approve herself, and so you you add you would risk no, a fifty fifty. Yeah, she'd, yeah, she'd have to sequester herself, her, her vote, yeah. Yeah, so it would be a 50-50 yeah. split Senate in that case. And then there would be no, I mean, there. so, but then what you also have is you now have the Biden administration openly trying to get rid of her, and that's going to cause even more consternation between her office and his, and there's already a lot of drama there. Well, maybe we can make it through to the, to, uh, the midterms, hopefully. Hopefully so. I, I think we will. I think the Republicans stand a pretty good chance. The Senate a little, a little more complex, but I know we're definitely getting the House and the Biden agenda stops there. Bruce, thank you very much for the call. Got a roll. Uh, 232-1542 if anybody else wants to call in before we have to go to a break. But as I was saying, you know, that's, that's the thing. That, that call kind of fits into where we are right now. The Democrats 
are going to be in lockstep on this. As of right now, uh, Judge Jackson did not say anything that would really put a worry into Joe Manchin or Kirsten Sinema's plate, their, their electoral chances. They're fine with her. She was sufficiently uh, non-responsive enough in some of those more uh, controversial issues. But where do the Republicans stay? Mitch McConnell has already come out to say that he's not supporting her nomination. Now, this is key. This is very important. Why is he doing it right now? The Judiciary Committee now has time to submit questions to the Biden administration and request more documents and things like that. This is the time for them to do so. That's why the Republicans on the committee have not really come out and said one way or the other. They're all leaning toward a no, but right now they're not really saying much. Here's the lay of the land politically. The Democrats are going to be in lockstep. The Republicans, because Mitch McConnell has come out early and said he's not going to, Republicans who are not up for election are free, or re-election, are free to go ahead and vote no. Mitch McConnell, by saying he's not going to, is saying, you guys go ahead. But he's doing it early enough that Republicans who are up for re-election have the choice. They can be seen now as bucking the party leadership and voting for history and having that issue off the table ahead of the 2022 midterms. You also have the very high likelihood that a Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, Mitt Romney, or, or two or all three of them will vote in favor of Judge Jackson as well. There's really no chance for the Republicans to stop this. Only the Democrats can stop Ketanji Brown-Jackson from getting to the bench at this point. But that's the thing. That's the thing. How the Republicans play this fight is what's going to make the difference. And right now, the fight is going to be made to look about being sexist and racist rather than the merits. That's why the Republicans needed to get into the record all these questions on unenumerated rights. But the other thing is, Ketanji Brown-Jackson cannot create this, these rights by herself. It requires a majority on the Supreme Court. Republicans don't have to fight that hard because Jackson is not going to be providing the majority. She's just replacing a, pro a progressive vote that's stepping down. And that is where the Republicans can breathe a sigh of relief for the moment. And they can hope that Biden loses control of the Senate this year and loses and they can win election in 2024 so that the next one to step down, possibly Clarence Thomas, gets replaced by a conservative and not another progressive to shift the balance on the court. That's the strategy. And that'll do it for the week. We'll be back here on Monday on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. In the meantime, catch me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. Email joe at redstate.com and check out the podcast version of the show on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. That's it, and I'll talk to you guys in just a few days.